Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz with TBA rabbinic resident David Kaplinsky. So we are going to be looking at a verse today that many of you know. This is a verse that either you've heard it sung, Ve'asuli mikdash v'shachanti betocham. The English is, uh, the English is, uh, oh Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Pure and holy, tried and true. Okay, so it's you might know that. It's not a very good English translation, but you know, it's kind of fun. It's not a Torah translation. It's not a Torah translation. It's, it's very so interpretive. we're going to go into this verse a little bit more deeply. Uh, sometimes we try to do verses that you don't know as well, and other times we want to look at verses that we think we know really well and, and potentially get different aspects of uh, the verse to learn. So we are going to look at this verse, and before we pass out this sheet, we want to ask, what does this verse mean to you? If you want to look in your Chumash, it's chapter 25, verse 8 of Exodus. If you just know the verse well, it's Ve'asuli Mikdash, Ve'shachanti Betocham. So let's just hear some ideas. What does that, what does this verse mean to you? What could it potentially be saying to us in the Torah? <clears throat> and just to give you the English, and they shall make me a sanctuary, and I will dwell amongst them. Yeah, it's 25.8, Exodus 25.8. Any thoughts? Eight. Yeah, Yonatan Rosner. Beautiful. So, Yonatan Rosner, who's one of the principals at Pressman Academy, just said that one of the aspects of this line that he brought out for the students earlier this week when they read it during tefillah is the fact that it's not just about the physical space, but also your social emotional awareness of your own being and also your physical body. What What is it that you are doing to create for your body a temple to make sure to take care of it? And how does your body continue to be that mikdash? Beautiful. We're going to look at many verses. You basically just did our entire I think we could all go home is what I was about to say. Yeah. I think but, we're set. No, we really, we prepared. Carl. Uh-huh. Yeah. Great. Great. So Carl is pointing out the next verse, which we're not going to talk about today, but the fact that we're not supposed to just make a mikdash and just say, okay, it's going to be any which way I want it to be. But actually there's, there's real guidelines and blueprints to follow in the way that God wants this mikdash to be, to be built, which is much of what we read today in the Torah earlier on were those blueprint, uh, specifications. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Ed. Yeah. Right. Great. Great. So Ed's pointing out that this isn't a private space unless we're talking about our bodies, right? That it is a public space that brings people into it and that we should acknowledge the fact that that there is something special about bringing people together to be able to appreciate this space, that it's not just supposed to be for you, but for everybody, but for everybody involved. Diane. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. So this is not a place for God to inhabit. This is a place for people to build so that God can be within them to be with. Is that what you said? 
yeah, okay, great. You made a face, so I wasn't sure if I was interpreting it incorrectly. That, that, that was a, it's a place for God to be with them, to be amongst them. But it's not like in other religions where something might be built like an altar or a shrine where you would expect God to actually be in that place, right? The people have to be there for God to be within you. Marshall. Great. Okay. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. Very nice. So, Mar- I'm not going to be able to do this justice, but Marshall just went through the Steinsaltz translation that equates the word mikdash to the idea of mekudash li, that something would be sanctified that, that was created by, by the Bnei Israel in this case, right? That was not necessarily just holy because of God, but was really made holy by the people. Um, that is one of my favorite aspects of the word mikdash. Uh, and, and I, when we were preparing this teaching, I mentioned that to David and we went in a different direction, but I'm glad you brought it up because that is a very, a very exciting part of this verse for me as well. I think I saw another hand. Marcy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. Great. Rashi would say, you know, this verse says, Darshani, you ha- it needs explanation, right? Please explain me. Like, it, it does draw your attention, and, and, you're, and you're seizing on exactly what a lot of our commentators are going to deal with. Why the contrast between make this mikdash, and then I'll dwell within them, or within, yeah, within you, sorry. Uh, plural. Okay, so... Um, Rabbi Schatz is going to pass out these short source sheets. In a certain way, each of you have covered elements of what uh, various commentators in our tradition have have touched on in different ways. Obviously, yours are are, are unique and a little bit different, um, but uh, but you get the idea that that people are that commentators throughout the ages have seen these same things that you're noticing in each detail of this one verse. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm. Right. Great. So, so we have pointed out that Shachanti is the, the, the dwelling is, is going to come up, is going to be a, it's not only in our Torah reading, but in our Haftarah, and we're going to see it uh, in multiple weeks going forward. So clearly this verb has something important to tell us about the nature of God's being in this Mishkan or being part of this Mishkan or being drawn uh, to, to the people through it. Um, great. So let's, we're going to start with, um, a little bit of somewhat of what, what we could consider the shot of the, the basic, uh, understanding of the verse. So we, we brought in Sforno, who's just commentating on, okay, what is, what does Sforno think the verse says more or less in its context? And we can see where maybe it's, it feels a little less contextual. Okay. So Sforno says, Vishachanti Bitocham means I will dwell among them permanently in order to receive their prayers and their sacrificial offerings in a manner similar to the way I displayed my presence at the mountain. Okay, so what do we see in this verse? What's Forno, what, what new or interesting is Forno bringing to the fore that we, we haven't um, either addressed or, or you might not think initially? Jackie? Very good. Great. So Sforno, a medieval French commentator, Jackie's noting the the anachronistic nature of saying uh, their prayers, 
right? That, that God is going to dwell there permanently to receive their prayers, which does not seem to be the central function of the Mikdash from the text that we're looking at, right? The central function is the sacrifices still for God to dwell among them. So there is this insertion already, and it goes before the sacrifices, I think is also interesting, uh, that, that he puts the prayers first, um, that, you know, that's probably not really what the, the Torah is saying, but, but he's reading it into his time. We're going to see a little bit more of that. Yes. Mm. Right. Yeah. Interestingly enough, the Hebrew actually doesn't say anything about permanently. So that might be a little bit of a, so far, I just noticed that. I, I, I read it, so it's on me. But that's a good point, that you're noting that it actually feels like people have to do something, and that this permanence doesn't actually fit with that exactly. That it actually is the moments of effort that achieve God's presence, right? That it's not guaranteed permanent. And I think we'll see that in a, in a later commentary too. So that's well, it doesn't say point. anything about permanence. You're right in the Hebrew, but I do think that Sforno's, like Tate was just saying, is reading that into it. So even though the Torah doesn't say that, <clears throat> it's not necessarily that it's, that it doesn't, I actually think that he's just reading Veshachanti Betocham as a certain type of permanence that the Torah doesn't. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to go with Tate. I like it. I like yeah, it. Ed. No, I still think I, I agree with his general premise. Ed. Mm. Great. Great. So Ed was pointing out a really important thing that this this creation of the Mishkan is a recreation in a certain way of the Mount Sinai moment of revelation. Right, that, that it's kind of a an instituted way to take what was just a moment in time of of revelation and divine inspiration and make it a regular occurrence that people can experience in their midst. Um, great. I think we've we've touched on all the the major points of 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 Sworno here, um, and that idea that Jackie brought up of the anachronistic nature of talking about prayers uh, is going to really come in into play in the next few sources, talking about what halachot, what Jewish practices do we get out of this verse? So you might think that this is just a verse about, you know, building the Mishkan in that time, in that place, but there's halachot that come out of it and ones that are probably pretty familiar to us. Take that from Okay, so this first one says, in every place where 10 Jews dwell, why 10 Jews? A minion, great. It's a mitzvah for them to put together a house for themselves in order that they will pray in it. So it's a if there are going to be 10 Jews, it's a mitzvah to put together some kind of Beit some kind of house of gathering so that people can gather. Oh, this is called a Beit Knesset, a house of gathering. Okay. And it is a great mitzvah to build it. So it's not just that it's a great mitzvah to come together, but it's actually a great mitzvah to build the structure. It's a little bit of chicken and or the egg, right? Like, are you, are you building the structure because you know the 10 people might come or are there 10 people and so now you need a structure? It's a little bit unclear, right? Do synagogues get built because they know that in the city there are Jews who need to come to synagogue? Probably. But is it built in such a way based on the numbers that might come? Maybe. So the way in which we think about the construction versus the people, right? Which one is at the center? I would say that the people are at the center. If there are 10 people gathering... Right, there's a reason that the Panani Halakha says in any place where there are 10 people gathering as opposed to in a city where 10 people live. They're already gathering, so now build a structure around them. Yeah, Mike, do you have something to say? Right, great. 
Great. Perfect. So Mike just said it's, it's emphasizing the community in any of these actions, which is exactly right, that the community is coming together and then we're building. One of the things that I hadn't thought about until just this second is that we kind of did that here at Temple Beth Am for COVID, right? We weren't really sure what it was going to look like to join together on Shabbat. So for a while, it was just one of the rabbis in a sanctuary all alone with this screen and all of your faces on it. And then we realized, oh, wait a second, there might be a safe way for us to gather. We know those 10 Jews are coming, so let's build us something so that people can gather in it. And now here you all are. Right, so the fact that we knew those Jews were present, we then built something. The Pineni Halacha goes on <clears throat> and says, interesting, this is in Tfilat Nashim, Adrash for a different time, in women's prayer, in the section of women's prayer. It is important, <clears throat> excuse me, it is important to note that a synagogue is not just a place that facilitates prayer with a minion. This is probably why it's in Tfilat Nashim. Rather, it has independent value as a place designated for Dvarim Shabik Dusha, a place where the Shekhinah dwells. So the fact that this is not just a place where you might bring a minion together, but that this is a place where we do holy things, where we gather, like Mike was saying, in general for community. Now, when we say Dvarim Shabik Dusha, we're talking about, typically in our lives today, we're talking about actual prayer elements, like saying the Baruch Hu, or saying the Amidah fully, or reading the Torah, that, that need a minyan. But what, what the Paneni Halacha is getting at here is that it's not just about the minion prayer pieces. It's about holiness. It's about creating holiness with other people around. It's a great mitzvah to build a synagogue, as the Torah states. They shall make me a sanctuary, ve'asuli mikdash, and ve'shachanti betocham, and I will live amongst them. Although this verse primarily comes to teach us about the building of the temple, an offshoot of that mitzvah is the mitzvah to build a synagogue. Right? So though this is very clearly stating we need to build a temple for this time and now, it's also saying we need to create a space for people to be able to come together to pray. Any thoughts on this, these Panani Halakha pieces? Yeah. Sure. Great. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So Scott was just saying how interesting it is that temple and synagogue are equated to one another, um, both for their use and also for the mitzvah around building them, and that the Shekhinah is going to dwell in a similar fashion in both places, not just in the time of the temple, but also in any synagogue that we build. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. Yonatan, then Naomi, then, then Stuart. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was really beautiful. Um, how to explain that back. Um, first of all, I'll just say that I have the pleasure of teaching with Yonatan Rosner, and I love that because we teach together, so many of our thoughts are very, are very connected. Um, so one of the things that Yonatan just, just mentioned and is going to be echoed later on in the teaching is that there is something about making this meyuchad, making this a special experience. And as I love to teach, the idea of kadosh actually means to make distinguished, to make separate from. So even in just saying this is called a mikdash, right? We are distinguishing ourselves in the holiness in which we are creating in this building. I recognize that's not the actual grammar, but I'm going to go with it. Um, but the idea that Yonatan brought up is that 
it, it can't just be about us individually. It has to be about a community coming together to understand the holiness, both of coming together, but also of the space, because the betocham is not that God is just going to dwell in individuals all over, but is going, to in, is going to dwell within us when we are gathered together as a community. He said it much more beautifully than I did, but I hope that I captured at least part of it. Naomi. Yeah. Great. Right. Great. Great. So it's not just about one centralized space, but it's just about creating space that can be holy to the people who are gathering within it. So if you go to another synagogue, you know that that Shekhinah, that holiness is also there. It doesn't have to be in one particular space. And I loved that you said that it's about spreading out, right? Really, Jews can go all over the world and experience this kind of holiness. Beautiful. Stuart. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Great. So just the idea of calling up a location, a temple, harkens back to what the temple was for us as a people in the Torah and what Stuart is is coming coming to realize and, and expressing so beautifully is that we this is not a modern day notion. This is something that we are being told to do so that we have those feelings and those connections to a place of worship, to a place of, of gathering, just like we were supposed to when we came out of Egypt and, and gathered together to build the Mishkan. Um, I know there were more hands. I'm so excited that people love this text, but we're gonna we're gonna go on just so that first of all David can teach uh and we can get through the rest of our sources. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Uh, great. So the next, the next text we'll just kind of gloss over. And I think we kind of touched upon it a bit with, um, what, what's, it, what's your name in the purple talus? Forgive me. Tate. Tate. Thank you. What Tate was saying about that you need to make effort for, beautiful uh, purple, purple talus. Beautiful purple talus. <laughs> and the purple shirt. It's great. So, so the idea that you have to do something to make this holiness. So the Meshachochma says, do not think that the sanctuary and the tabernacle are sacred in and of themselves. God dwells amongst God's children, and if they violate the covenant, all sanctity is removed from them, and they become profane, right? And then it's going to go on to say that the only holiness is God, right? That that this holiness is not inherent, and just because people gather doesn't necessarily entail that God is going to dwell there, right? It actually does rely on our on our effort, on our effort to make it a holy space, um, even if we build a, a structure and we show up there, that's, that's not necessarily enough. Um, so great. So we've kind of touched on the essential part of, of how this is seen as the commandment to build synagogues. But uh, Kabbalistically and more mystically, we're going to see that there's also this idea of what Bitocham, we had the, you know, the idea of the community, but we also have Bitocham as each individual person. Okay, so Shnei Luchot Abrit has this commentary that says, humans are composed of body and soul, a visible as well as an invisible part. This is the deeper meaning of ve'asuli mikdash v'shachanti b'tocham. They shall make me a sanctuary and I shall dwell among them. The difficulty here is that the verse speaks about the tabernacle, right? Singular, like we were pointing out earlier, that it's a plural b'tocham amongst them. It is this lesson the rabbis wanted to teach us when they said that mikdash and mishkan can be used interchangeably. The exterior visible part is called mishkan, whereas the interior invisible part is called mikdash. So one interpretation here is that the plural is actually referring 
um, not to each and every person actually, but each individual person has these two elements, this physical mishkan structure that our physical bodies and the mikdash, the inner spiritual, uh, deeper, um, kind of, uh, intention. And it says it is stipulated in the Zohar that the human is a microcosm and that there are illusions to compare a human both to the universe and to the sanctuary. The author says that the heart corresponds to the inner sanctuary, the Kodesh Kodashim. Maimonides, in a letter to his son, Rabbi Abraham, says, compares the tabernacle and its furnishings to a distinguished body. When God said, I will dwell among them, God meant inside their essence, something more essential than the mere interior of the tabernacle. The part also called the Mishkan Eidut, the tent of the testimony. So, for the Shnei Luchot Abrit, we're seeing that the, the idea of Bitocham is really about our inner selves, right? Both our, our outer structures and our inner selves. And that we are this microcosm of not just the sanctuary, but of the universe, which I think is just a beautiful, mystical idea. Um, and, and that, that our actions, our intentions, as, as Yonatan was saying earlier, and, and also our health and the ways that we, we feed our body spiritually and physically, will allow God to dwell amongst us. What do we think about this idea? Versus what we saw about building community in synagogues. Yes. <laughs> he likes it. Brand likes it. Brand likes it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Great. Right. Yes, great. So Brand was pointing out that this this gives a little more emphasis to the need for both, not not just the space, not just the communal space, but as COVID has shown us, we also need have these individual needs which are are needed regardless of the space, right? That the balance of the personal and the communal, you actually need both. So this is emphasizing a little bit more the personal element, the personal needs. Yes, Mike. <clears throat> excellent, excellent. So Mike was pointing out the, uh, you know, a little bit back to the Penine Halakha about this building uh, that God has been for them a small sanctuary that people really require not just you know, a larger community, but the personal connection, as well as the need for things like education, because this, this idea of the small sanctuary is likened to synagogues and Batei Midrash. You need both the, the, the spiritual community and also the educational um, grounding. Um, so that's, that's really beautiful. Thanks, Mike, for that. Great. Uh, and then uh, we're going to continue with a little, bit more, um, a little bit more mystical stuff or conclude with a little bit of mystical stuff. You want to take this one? Sure. So the Aish Kodesh says, it's taught in the Zohar. We're doing a lot of Zohar quoting today. Uh, Fortunate is the one who makes a dwelling for the divine presence in his heart. And as it is explained in Parsha Truma, I will dwell amongst them in Betocham. And the rabbis explain, it does not say in it, betocho, that the Holy One, blessed be God, dwells amongst each and every Jew, not only for the benefit of the Jew, but also for the sake of the divine presence, as well because of God's great love for Israel. I'm not sure that we really need to go into that one so so deeply. I think we've, we've actually touched on that quite a bit. But just just kind of fleshing out here, the betocham versus the betocho, and 
Yeah, I'm just going to leave though, it. Yeah, though the oh. difference I would just say between the Shein Luchot Abrid is that this Betocham is actually talking about each individual person, but he's reading the plural as the physical and the spiritual inside each person. Though Both of those God will dwell in. And, uh, you know, Rabbi Kalaminas Kalman, Ish Kodesh, is talking more about just saying it means each and every one of you. And it adds the need, the, the extra feature of God wants to. God loves you. That's why God wants to dwell amongst you. Do we want to bring that Gemara or is it, we don't have time? I don't think we have time. Okay. Well, we'll just say that there's a great Gemara Gemara that talks of, that compares God's need to dwell amongst the people to uh, a human romance where the son of uh, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi thinks he's going to go study before he gets married, and then he sees the woman, and he, he reduces his 12-year study to six years. And then he reduces, she comes by again, and he reduces his six years to zero years. They get married first, and then he goes study. And in the same way... But then he leaves and, her. And his father... Thank you for that. You're welcome. And his father says, you have the same, you have the same uh, essence of the Kadosh Baruch Hu. You also can't help yourself but to be with the people. And that's why God actually intended to build the temple, to only have a temple once the people got to the land, but God couldn't help God's self. God had to build the Mishkan in the desert because God desired to be amongst us. So I thought that was a beautiful idea. Want to conclude? That was the Gemara that we weren't going to share with you. <laughs> that was, that was the, 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 the brief, the summary. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's in Ketubot on page 62B. We both have it right here. It was going to be like a big it's surprise. We've now share. spent more time talking about it than, than we were going to if we had just read it. But, I did it in 45 um, seconds. Okay. So <clears throat> the, the last piece here is um, Rabbi Tarfon said, even the Holy One didn't rest his God's presence on Israel until they did the work. As it says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell amongst them. And a colleague and rabbi who I've learned with, Rabbanit Leasarna, wrote <clears throat> when she shared this text, doing the work is that if we build it, God will come. <laughs> so, yeah, Yonatan, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of God dwelling. Right. Yes. Shkoch. Right. Shkoch, yeah. Should we just get... To summarize, Yonatan is saying that it's specific work that, just for the people on Zoom, specific work that uh, God wants us to do, and he takes the lesson from how Shem, the son of Noah, treats his father with dignity in his most vulnerable position, and that that is the holy work that we do to bring God into our midst, is to treat people who are vulnerable with dignity, and I think that's a beautiful idea. I think that's one amongst many essential things that we do to bring God into our presence. So, yes, so just Thank to, you for your patience. <laughs> so, just to, just to finish, I, at least this is my takeaway, though I'll let David have the last word. Um, I, think, I think that there's something very powerful about us thinking not only about the community that we are in, but the way in which we build for ourselves a mikdash. That there needs to be something sanctified about who we are in the world to be the foundation for what we continue to return to. So if there are lots of people in a community who understand their own vulnerabilities, their own sanctification, their own, uh, sanctity, sorry, their own uh, gifts, 
Right, just like I began by introducing the Torah portion, the gifts they can bring to a community. If the people in a community know all of those things, can recognize them and feel rooted in that which brings them holiness, that which brings them closeness to God, then together they build a mikdash, together they build a tabernacle, a sanctuary, a place of gathering that has God within it, because we're each bringing elements of our own godliness to the table. So I hope that you are able throughout the rest of the weeks where we're talking about building this mishkan, to be able to think about what do you bring to ours and what do you bring to your own? What do you bring to your own mikdash within you? What do you bring to our mishkan of community? And what does it mean for you to give gifts, but to also receive the beauty of community and sanctity and all being together? What she said. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.